Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Hasn't it been great this week hearing about all that our God's been doing around his world? Stories of spirit-empowered courage under persecution in China and the Middle East, for example, of spectacularly blessed evangelistic outreach in Latin America, for example, of God-glorifying works of compassion in materially needy parts of Africa. Tonight, uh, we've been, uh, we're here to talk about Western Europe. Laura's told you about Spain. We've heard about Moldova. Uh, I'll be talking about France. Oh, this is the moment. Yes, here we are. Uh, France. Our story, uh, especially in Western Europe, uh, is maybe in some ways less dramatic than some of the other things we've heard about, partly because Western Europe enjoys peace, religious freedom, democracy, and prosperity. But our God is the same. Our mission is the same. And we're here to say that Europe and its people have just as important a place in God's heart as the rest of the world. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to my family. Uh, this is my wife, Rachel, and our three daughters, Anna, Sophie, and Ines. Uh, we're, I'm English in origin, so is my wife, uh, as you can hear. Uh, they're not here, but I gather that this meeting is being recorded. Uh, and so if you could say just a quick bonsoir, um, I... Uh, I, they might be able to hear it on the internet a bit later. So, uh, could you say that after me? Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Okay, they'll pick that up later. Thank you. For the last eight years, we've been in Saint-Étienne, in central France, planting a church. Just the one. Uh, here they are. Uh, the members of our church, a few months ago, doing what French people do best, which is, of course, eating. Uh, and uh, here's our church building. Uh, one large room and three small rooms on the ground floor of an old apartment block, quite typical of French church premises. Slowly but surely, Jesus Christ is knitting us together, building us up, leading us on to maturity. We've still got a long way to go. And sometimes, to be honest, the rate of progress is frustratingly slow. In fact, hearing this week about what God's been doing, what God is doing in other parts of the world, has been filling me with what I hope is a holy envy, a desire to see the Spirit of God move in power in our land too. As David Robertson uh, said on Sunday night, speaking about Britain, we need to believe that what is possible for God in the Philippines, in Latin America, or in Africa, is possible in post-Christian Europe too. It forces me to ask myself questions. Are we, am I, hindering the Spirit's work by our sinfulness or faithlessness? Are we missing the mark in our evangelism and discipleship? I still have more thinking to do about that. But one thing I can tell you I'm not tempted to do is to drop the work in France and run to a place where the fruit is presently more abundant. For me and my wife, our journey has been in the opposite direction. In her late teens, my wife went on a couple of short-term trips to France, 
and also spent six months in Zimbabwe with the Baptist Missionary Society. She loved her time in Zimbabwe. Uh, she found the African Christians she met and the African churches she visited really inspiring by their zeal and their love and their prayerfulness. But paradoxically, the, your, the Lord used that experience to fire her compassion for the spiritually poor and spiritually dark continent of Europe. And she wept for the lost people of Western Europe. To the extent that on finishing her university studies, she went straight to, to Paris to witness among students there. And so the first question I, I want to ask tonight is, why should France matter, Western Europe uh, matter to British Christians? Why should it be high on our mission agenda? And my first answer is, don't be fooled by appearances. You, France is the world's top tourist destination. You want beaches? We got beaches. You want mountains? Come to the Alps. You want history? Visit the Chateau of the Loire Valley. You want wine? Come to Bordeaux. You want museums? Come to the Louvre in Paris. You want cathedrals? Come to Chartres. You want glamour? Come to the Cannes Film Festival. I could go on for a long time. You name it, France has got it. And uh, I've now just earned my 50 quid from the French tourist board. <laughs> they must have said the same about Athens in the first century. The beautiful city, home of the Parthenon, that had produced the ancient world's greatest philosophers and dramatists. Paul must have seen all that, too. But what really got him in his guts was the spiritual state of the place. People worshipping worthless idols instead of the living God. Don't be fooled by the tourist brochures. France is beautiful, but the vast majority of its people are in rebellion against their creator and ignorant of the Redeemer. The gospel reached France 1900 years ago. At times, it's been mightily touched by God, notably around the Reformation. John Calvin, Jean Calvin, uh, was a Frenchman. Every village has its church and every city its cathedral. But today they're empty. A few Catholic priests preach a recognizably Christian gospel, helped by the Alpha Course uh, in France, but most don't. For more than 200 years, France has been the most secularized country in an increasingly secularized continent. Let's think in terms of numbers of evangelical churches. Laura did this comparison with us earlier in terms of Spain. My city, uh, Saint-Étienne, uh, former mining city, you can see the slag heaps in the background there, uh, has about 240,000 inhabitants, a little smaller than Belfast, and just 10 evangelical churches. The neighboring town of Saint-Chamond, where my family and I might possibly move next year to start a new church plant, has about 40,000 inhabitants, which makes it about two-thirds the size of Bangor, and, wait for it, no evangelical church that meets there every week. There's a Pentecostal church from the next town that has a service there once a month. That gets me in the guts. To think of all those folk who could grow up and spend 
their whole lives in that town without ever coming across a church that preaches the gospel clearly. So don't be fooled by the outward appearance of this beautiful, prosperous, liberal democracy. It's a needy place. And let's not forget that this is happening on our doorstep. In Luke's version of the Great Commission, uh, the Lord Jesus calls his disciples to be his witnesses first at home in Jerusalem, then a little further afield in Judea and Samaria, and finally to the ends of the earth. I think as Europeans we have a special responsibility to Europe, just as we have a special responsibility to witness to the family members and work colleagues amongst whom God has placed us as individuals. Apart from the Republic of Ireland, France is your nearest foreign country. Spain is not much further. And as British people, we have several natural advantages that make us particularly well-equipped to reach out to French people. Many of us will have at least a basic grounding in French language from school. Our EU citizenship makes it extremely easy to move to France. And our cultures are very close. Of course, there are differences, even in church cultures. I love watching the reactions of British men who come to visit French churches and are greeted by their brother at the door and with a hearty kiss on both cheeks. Let me remind you that the French have the Bible on their side. I'm looking forward to the day when Northern Irish Christians would finally start putting 2 Corinthians 13, 12 into practice, greets one another with a holy kiss. See you tomorrow, guys. <laughs> so our cultures aren't the same. But French people watch many of the same TV shows, have fairly similar ways of learning and doing business, similar legal rights, moral opinions, life ambitions, similar objections to the gospel, similar besetting sins, and similar idols. Praise God for the Africans, South Americans, and Koreans who come to Europe as missionaries. But it's difficult for them. It's particularly difficult for them to be church pastors and church planters. Just as it's difficult for Europeans in cultures very different from our own to do those roles. Is it an accident that God chose a Greek-speaking Hellenistic Jew, Paul of Tarsus, a Roman citizen, to evangelize the Greek-speaking Gentiles of the Eastern Mediterranean? And that so many of the people he chose to be his closest companions on those voyages, Timothy, Titus, Luke, were Greek or half-Greek. Let's take advantage, as Europeans, of the God-given advantages we have to exercise our special responsibility to reach our fellow Europeans for Christ. The final reason is that France is a great place to reach unreached peoples. Of course, it would be ridiculous to say that the French people as a whole are unreached. The French church has been there for 19 centuries, as we've said. Its evangelical wing has over 2,000 local churches, a handful of Bible colleges, and a good range of Christian hymns and songs. But large-scale immigration has brought many other people groups to France, especially from North and West Africa. Here's a photo 
uh, of the Christmas dinner we put, in our, put on in our church for people uh, who were alone at Christmas this year. Uh, and the guy with an arrow pointing to his head um, is a West African Muslim guy we invited along. And one opportunity amongst many, he's from Mali. Uh, uh, one, of the, uh, one, of the, one opportunity amongst many that we have to reach people who in their home countries would have great difficulty uh, hearing about the gospel. There are five million Muslims in France, and we have complete freedom to preach to them. My eldest daughter was invited to play at the house of her Algerian classmate. She asked her friend's mum if she could bring her children's Bible so they could read Bible stories together, and she accepted. I um, am privileged to know several French pastors who were brought up as Muslims. The Lord is, that, is working amongst uh, that people group in France. You want to reach Muslims? Come to France. As I've already hinted, uh, France is a challenging place to be a witness for Jesus. Like many Europeans, most French people don't take an interest in Christianity because they think they have everything they need, that all they have to do is eat, drink, and be merry. Also, like many Europeans, they think uh, they know what they're rejecting when they ignore Jesus. They've heard a second-hand, second watered-down, moralizing gospel of works, and it didn't interest them. So they don't want to listen any further. They think Christianity belongs firmly in the past. When I talk to parents at the school gates, or at my hockey club, or at the language cafe that I go to every Monday night, I hear this sort of thing all the time. But France is also an exciting place to live and work for Jesus. What makes France an exciting place to work? Well, one of the reasons for that uh, is the way Christians in recent years have begun to unite to uh, work together on a strategy for planting churches right across the land of France. It began just over 10 years ago when leaders of the main Pentecostal denominations and the main conservative evangelical groups met together and asked each other's forgiveness with tears for the distrust and hostility that they'd shown each other in the latter part of the 20th century. That meeting led to the foundation of the National Council of French Evangelicals, the CNEF, and one of that council's main activities rather than just being a dull ecclesiastical committee, has been to work on a national church planting strategy. We reckon that to effectively reach the population of France with the gospel, so that every French person would sooner or later come into contact with a living group of believers that preach the gospel, we need approximately one church for every 10,000 people. At the moment, we're about one for every 30,000. So in other words, we're looking to triple the number of existing churches. And one of the exciting initiatives that's been put in place to lead us towards that vision involves a good banger man, uh, Philip Moore uh, of uh, Hamilton Road Baptist Church. He serves as a pastor in a church in the eastern suburbs of Paris, and he's been involved in setting up and direct directing a regional center for training church planters. Uh, Would-be church planters come and spend two years working part-time and studying part-time, learning on the job what good church planting looks like. So thank you to Banga for uh, releasing this brother to us. 
The second reason why I find France an exciting place to work is simply that God's Spirit is at work through his word. Of course, we're hungry to see him working more extensively, but he's working. The churches are growing, even our little church in Saint-Étienne. Small encouragements for me from the last few months have included seeing a young man delivered of compulsive addiction to pornography, hearing this Catholic woman testify that she'd been to church, though she'd been to church all her life, she'd never understood what Jesus did on the cross until she came to our church. Uh, she says she's so excited by the good news she's heard that if she had her way, they'd announce it on the 10 o'clock news every day of the week. These are not spectacular events. They're the ordinary stuff of Christian ministry all over the world. But they remind me that God's spirit is not absent from our land of France. No one else can bring glory to Jesus like that. I don't know when France's time will come for greater blessing. I can't tell you I can see it coming just around the corner. But I know that neither atheistic philosophy, the dry atheistic philosophy, which is the dominant ideology in France's elite, nor occult superstition, which is so rampant in the popular classes of society, satisfies the human soul. And we have a great opportunity as Christians, French Christians, foreign Christians in France, to speak the good news of Jesus to our generation. I just love uh, working with and ministering to these guys, the folk who come to our church. I love them to bits. I love seeing the Lord working among us. I love teaching the whole counsel of God week by week to them. They're the flock that God's put into my care, just as the Philippian and Thessalonian Christians were to Paul, his glory and his crown, so these guys are to me. The joy of Christian ministry brings me on to another subject I'd uh, like to touch on this evening. It's uh, a project you heard described earlier as uh, New Generations. Nouvelle Génération. I thought I could explain why this uh, is so important to me by a how not to story. It's the story of a water engineer, not, I hasten to add, Mark Collier or any of his colleagues at Friends in Action. A water engineer who goes out to a village in a poor part of the world and installs a state-of-the-art water pump to give the villagers access to clean drinking water without having to walk five miles to get to it. When the engineer has finished his work, uh, all the villagers turn out for a demonstration and watch amazed as the water spurts out. They're delighted. This pump is going to revolution their, revolutionize their lives. And it does. Until, that is, six months after the engineer's departure, the pump breaks down and nobody knows how to mend it. At the grand inauguration ceremony, the engineer thought his work was done. In fact, it was only half done. I've spoken to Friends in Action, and they have procedures in place to make sure uh, that doesn't happen. They're wised up to that danger. But it's very easy as a missionary pastor, or in fact any sort of pastor, to make that mistake. To do everything yourself, train nobody, and as a result, leave your work half done. 
And I desperately want to avoid doing that as a, mystery, as a missionary pastor in France. In his second letter to Timothy, uh, the Apostle Paul gives his young protégé a solemn charge. And the things you have heard from me, from me uh, sorry, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul has received a mission from the Lord Jesus to teach the good news of, sal of salvation. He's passed this on to Timothy, who must now seek up and tra train other faithful men who will in turn pass the baton on to others. It's a huge relay race running down the centuries and across the continents, and in 21st century France, we're still part of it, as you are. The purpose of our New Generations project is to facilitate that process, to help existing church leaders identify and train the next generation of leaders, and to encourage more and more young people to consider the possibility of training to be church leaders. And to do this, we organize uh, ministry challenge weekends, ministry apprenticeship schemes, and Bible summer schools for young people. And I reckon if I hadn't come to Bangor Worldwide five years ago, that would have been it. Our project would have been focused exclusively on the sort of events and programs I've just described. But in August 2008, the summer before we launched the New Generations Project, I listened to the Bible readings given by uh, Tabiti Anyawubile, don't pretend you can pronounce it any better than me, <laughs> uh, on Matthew 9 and 10. He's coming back next year, so this is also a little advert for Worldwide 2014, is that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Tabiti said something that struck me. He said that if 21st century Christians had been writing the Bible, they'd probably have made Jesus say, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Go, therefore, and set up a well-organized recruitment program to get workers for the harvest field. We have this management mentality, don't we, in our culture. Whereas, of course, what Jesus actually says has nothing explicitly to do with programs and has everything to do with prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So I learned that lesson, and we set up a network of prayer supporters committed to praying regularly for the next generation of French church leaders. And once we got that foundation stone in place, we moved on to organising different events and programmes which do have their place. Uh, our, the main sort of event we organise uh, is uh, Ministry Challenge Weekends. Uh, the idea of these is to group together for an intense weekend of Bible teaching, uh, testimony and prayer, and, and sharing a few dozen young people who have been identified by their church leaders as having leadership potential. And we also encourage the leaders to uh, accompany their young people, and we put on seminars for them about how to train uh, young leaders in, in the church. Uh, here's a photo of the first weekend we put on in the Paris area, uh, and the second one we put on in the Alps, and weekends are springing up all over all around the place uh, now in France, from Brittany to Belgium, as different regions of France uh, catch the vision and are looking to put, uh, ask the ministry question to, to their young people. I'd like to 
share with you the testimony of Ricardo uh, following one of those uh, weekends. He said this, This weekend has shown me that a commitment to Christian ministry brings great joys and challenges, sometimes with tears, but it's all worth it because of the gospel. The work is never in vain. Now that I've got a clear definition of what Christian ministry is, thanks to this weekend, now that I know about the different types of ministry, evangelist, pastor, church planter, etc., I'm going to pray and test my gifts in my local church. I'm soon going to be giving a talk in my youth group. I still don't know what ministry God is calling me to, but since the weekend, I know one thing for sure, I want to serve the Lord one way or another. Because I've seen during this weekend that suffering for the sake of the gospel is worth the cost. Result. That's what we want. For those who uh, want to go further in exploring their gifts, we, expo- we propose uh, missionary apprenticeships where a young person can test their calling and discover at first hand what's involved in the day-to-day work of church ministry. Here's a photo of some of the apprentices, uh, together with their trainers, taken last month. They spend several months uh, with these uh, trainers, uh, part-time study, part-time ministry. And finally, the final uh, aspect to our uh, project is Bible summer schools. I don't have a photo to show you of this because uh, the first one is planned uh, for summer 2014. Uh, But the idea is to give young people a taster of what it's like to study the Bible and to think deeply uh, about God and his word uh, as they might in a Bible college and challenge them to consider the possibility of further Christian ministry. I'd just like to finish by asking you to pray for France. Please pray for a mighty work of God's spirit in that land bringing people to faith in Jesus, multiplying churches, and raising up leaders for the future. Thank you for listening. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org donate.